Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome once again to another episode of Behind the Voice. Thank you so much, guys, for joining in, and thank you so much for pouring in the support. I really appreciate it. Now, this particular episode is very exciting because I was very excited when this episode was recorded. This episode was recorded at a time when a new Apex Legends character was just announced. In this episode, I'm talking to Melly Grant, who plays Catalyst in Apex Legends, and she was so wonderful to talk to. She had so much interest in video games, Overwatch, and so many more, and, and she was so excited to join the Apex Legends crew. She is very kind and very lovely and loves to share her story. So here is the interview with Melly Grant. How are you? Ah! <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> ah, and what a beautiful introduction. I look forward to disappointing you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It's all, all, everybody's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> That's exactly what Thank Catalyst you. is all about. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This is great. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for again taking all that time. It's I've, I've been very excited since you said that you will be able to come to talk to me. I was like, yes, let's talk about uh, one of the characters that I was like looking forward to, to play because I played Apex Legends for for a long time. Then I stopped for a while because of games, oh, too many games. Uh, but I really wanted to get back into it because of this new character came along. Like you know what, this is probably the perfect time, and I wanted to chit chat and talk to you about it. So. Uh, first things first, uh, how do you feel about playing this this character, Catalyst? It's wild. This the this is we're now at the end of week two. So I've now had two weeks of just abject terror, <laughs> fear. <laughs> uh, this has been life-changing in such a short, short order. Uh, we've been working on this since May. I was cast back at the beginning of the year. And then we started recording in May, shortly after I moved to Los Angeles. Um, I booked it while I was in Dallas. I'm originally from New York, but yeah, there's been a lot of sitting on it in anticipation. The night before the character announced, I did not sleep. I was <laughs> nauseous all night, terrified, didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, I've never announced anything this big. And and so far, oh, thank goodness, there's been so much love and and so much celebration of the character. Um, and I've, I've received so many private messages, more than I can, I feel terrible, more than I can ever possibly return um telling me how much the character means to them and and how much the specifically like the trans visibility of the character is is important to them um yeah. but also i love video games i want to be in all the video games i yes. want to be in everything you play <laughs> <laughs> um and so you know it's i'm in my happy space when i do that video games have a reputation for being very 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 vocally demanding mm, you'll right. go in you know, you're begging your agent to schedule you on Friday because you're just going to be tearing your throat up for four hours. And then you go home and you just do nothing but sip tea and don't talk to anybody for, <laughs> you know, three days. But um, but this has been a dream. The the writers and the director are so collaborative and they're so interested in how I feel about the script. And they want to find a character that not only, you know, sounds good when we lay it down, but resonates with with me, the performer, so it feels natural and is easy and organic to deliver. They care about my opinions on things, which is crazy. <laughs> I offer tons of bad ones. <laughs> um, and uh, and not to mention, it's a very uh, relaxed... Relaxing is a strange w word to use for a game like Apex, which now that I've played it and it is brutal and it I've is. just been getting creamed the past <laughs> two days... Um, it's, it's not vocally stressful. they they care about your voice a lot. And I guess something to do with the fact that these characters are just these incredible superhero mm. Olympic athletes. Yeah. 
it's a very easy session and it's tons of fun. It's, it feels like a vacation that you're getting paid for. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think it's much easier. Maybe I'm, I'm not the one who has done any voice acting, so I cannot even say, but I think it's kind of in some ways is a little bit easier as compared to somebody who's uh, working on like a full, I don't know, a story game, which is this long and you have to like have multiple dialogues, long dialogues to talk. Uh, This one is, I think, Compared to that, is a is a little bit easier. But you know what? I really really love the character, character catalyst. It looks very incredible. I cannot wait to to play as her, if I have enough coins to unlock her. Uh, but uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be really exciting. We just recently just got the the full trailer of what she has, her abilities and everything. And Good. yeah, it, it, it's I'm I'm really excited. Uh, but jumping back to where you got the role, how how did you even get there? How what happened? Where, how did you get to this role? Oh boy. So this is gonna, this is gonna serve as like a secret advertisement for other types of work I want to do at some point in the future. Mm. Um, but you know, I, I, so I grew up on, on theater, in theaters, on stages. My dad worked in technical theater. So I've, I've, and you know, I gravitated to, towards acting. Mm. Um, so I've spent my entire life, you know, doing musical theater and plays. And I went to school, got my BFA in drama at university. Um, and then I ended up taking something like 10 years off because I was terrified and this was pre-transition incidentally. So, you know, there's a whole lot of figuring out, you know, self, uh, discovery and, and sort of recentering yourself that had to happen. So it's, it's hard sometimes to know, like, was I just afraid of having a life in the arts at the time? Or was there a whole lot of other like internal tempests that needed to be sorted before I was ready to dive in? Um, so I ended up getting started a little bit later than I thought I was going to when I got to college. And one of the projects that really gripped me at the time was Overwatch. Mm. I adored that game. Oh my gosh. I'd never, I love shooters, usually PVE shooters. I would play, play the games like Halo to death. Oh. <clears throat> and, um, and occasionally PVP, but I love the story. Like I would play through the story over and over and over again. I adore Mass Effect. That's not first person, but it has a similar energy. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and I didn't play a lot of player versus player games. And and Overwatch gripped me because of how in-depth the character work was mm. and how much the character stood out. And I was just enamored of the fact that we had these characters from all these different backgrounds saying lines in their native languages, which I thought was amazing. I'd never seen a game do that before. Um and, and hearing all of those different dialects and languages all meshing together and creating this, I wanted more story. There wasn't enough story, but what was there was so inspiring. Um, you know, and we were starting to dip our toes into, into representation. I would, I, I hope, I hope to see them take it even further in the future because it, it makes me giggle to look back and not just with Overwatch, mind you, this isn't like a subtweet at Blizzard, but like <laughs> a lot of games back then when it came to representation in particular, you know, it was baby steps, you know, you would, you'd, you'd, there would be like a tiny little thing in like a panel in like an adjoining comic that's related to a property on a website somewhere (laughs) that maybe implies that, that a character is indigenous, (laughs) you know, or gay. And you're like, oh, this is revolutionary. (laughs) And, and so to come so far and to now have a game like Apex, just be like, hold my keg. (laughs) And, and just lead right out the gate with so, so many incredible characters and so much visible outward representation um, is incredibly inspiring. I, uh, games like Overwatch have always been major bucket list items for me to be able to play 
a first person playable character mm. in a major popular property like that. Um, and it felt like something that would never happen, but it was, it was one of those motivating factors of at the time, you know, I'm just starting to dip my toes into anime. I don't have an agent in Texas, much less a national agent um, that's going to get me work in LA. Please, please let my career be in a place. Should there ever be a trans character? And I'll play any character. If there were a cis character, I would love to play that character too. But just thinking strategically, like, okay, if it's a trans character, the pool is a lot smaller. I might have a better shot at maybe landing a role like that. Heavens to Betsy, if there is ever a trans character that comes along in a game like that, please let my career be in a place where I can get those auditions and have a chance to try. And I was maybe six months into my, this is going to be the longest story of our interview. <laughs> I was maybe six months into uh, having just signed with CESD, which is my national agency now. Um, and we were going on, on Christmas, you know, holiday break, like the last two weeks of December. Mm -hmm. And uh, they sent out this audition. Everything was codenamed. Although it took me about 30 seconds to know what I was auditioning for. <laughs> <laughs> and then so we're going on vacation. They're due, you know, January 4th. Uh, take all the time you need. Get them in. You know, callbacks will be mid-January. Panicked. Canceled the holiday holidays. Oh, man. You'll relate to this. Called mom and dad. Canceled the holidays. <laughs> um, was going to visit. No longer visiting. We ended up doing another, like, maybe a month or two later. We had a wonderful visit. I went up and we kind of had a rain check. But... Mm. I must have spent about four or $500 that week coaching. I felt just in my bones that this was the role that was right for me. And I knew I could do good work, but I just wanted to make sure that I was sending out the best possible audition I could. And so I was working with multiple coaches, polishing up the acting choices. I would get it to a place where I was confident and then coach with someone and, you know, show them what I had and let them tear me to pieces and try again. <laughs> Um, and then I sent it off into the ether. Um, and it was so different from the catalyst that we have in game now. It was a much wider swing. Thank goodness it was enough to get me in the room for a callback. Um, but January came and went and I heard nothing. And so I thought to myself, okay, oh, well, um, at least I had a chance to try. You know, yeah. that was the most meaningful thing. And then come mid-February, I have a callback. And it went about as well as it could possibly have gone short of getting offered the role in the room. There was so much, uh, there was such a connection there. And I felt like I hit it off with the writers and the directors that were there immediately. Um, it was like, you know, getting together with old friends. Mm. Um, oh, I, I, I wish an experience like this on every actor that's out there listening to this because there, I've had very few experiences where I could walk away from a callback and say, I think it could not have gone better. <laughs> and sure enough, here we are. Um, we, you know, when you when you talk about long, in-depth recordings, come May, we were recording twice a week, maybe I would say a total of like eight-ish hours a week. Every week I was in the studio. And, uh, you know, four hours a day, but we'd do like Tuesday, Thursday, every week for the foreseeable future, recording lines, recording trailers. Um and then, you know, we hit the moment where we finally wrapped our last session. And then we all just got to like stress out of our minds for the next like two or three months <laughs> waiting for the launch day. <laughs> um, and that sort of brings us to today. I, I could not imagine a more fitting character. The personality is such a good fit for me. It's right in the middle of my weir, weir, wheelhouse. I can speak. Um, <laughs> and it, it's i don't i don't think i've played very few characters that have been this uh 
kind of natural and just sort of straight off the cuff, right from my instincts. It's certainly more heightened than I than I am in person. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a lot more casual. She's a lot more dire. But it it's a very close to home character that that is only just a slight, you know, a slight turn of the knob away from from just me which I'm sure is going to make it super weird when I start playing the game and just hear like my normal ass voice coming out of the speakers. <laughs> that is, that is, that is great. I, I love that. Is, that was a great story. I love that. I was, I, I was, I cannot stop smiling because of the fact that you got to be, not only your inspiration was video games, which is, I thought like, maybe, I don't know. I was like, is Melly, does, does she play games? Maybe not. Maybe she does. And now to know that she, she is a big fan of video games. I'm like, oh, this is great. Uh, so now getting to be in a video game, which is again Apex Legends, is so popular now. It's 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 on all platforms. It's on mobiles now, which is like it's insane. It's just getting everywhere, and to be a part of that is just so incredible. Again, the reception has been amazing, and and I just cannot wait to be a to to play her. Uh, but again, <laughs> but I, I, as I, as you mentioned, you you. You wanna you wanna play Apex Legends? Or did you try a few matches of Apex Legends? Did you try that game? And oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my first game ever was on stream with the streamer Amelie, uh, uh-huh. another voice actor friend of mine. Uh, and so it was it was myself and her and a whole bunch of the other legends. And uh, they said that you know if you wanted to play, you could jump in and play. And I said I would be willing to give it a shot. I'd never tried the game before, but I had it downloaded and updated. And, you know, I'd gone in just long enough to decide that I didn't like a whole bunch of the key lines and went in and like rebound a lot of things. <laughs> um, and then, which by the way, if you do that and you're learning the game, it makes it very hard for anybody else to tell you what you should be doing. Cause they'll yeah. be like, oh, just press blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it isn't doing anything. I probably <laughs> changed it and then forgot what I changed it to. Mm. Um, I'd go, we got creamed. And and almost no one felt like playing that day. So I was in every oh, game, no. just dragging the team down, getting like, you know, two damage, zero kills, zero assists. <laughs> um, it was it was a lot of fun though. And I ended up playing a lot yesterday and it's growing on me. Ooh. I think I think it's I don't play a lot of games. It I wanna say the last time I played a game that had this level of like bullet drop. And having to lead the targets, so like travel time, mm-hmm. was probably the planet side, like planet side oh, two. Planet side two. Um, and I, I don't play a lot of games like that. So, so I I adore bows in games. I play Destiny two. I love the oh. bows in that game, and I'm quite good at them. Um, but I was I spent about 15 minutes in the practice range, like missing the far target, just being like, <laughs> how, how, how? Is that supposed <laughs> to happen? <laughs> Um, so there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period, but I love it. I love the world. I'll tell you this though. And I haven't been, um, you know, when you book a role like this, they don't immediately welcome you into the family and introduce you to every other person in the cast. So I've only known the rest of the legends personally for maybe a week now, but that's all it took jumping into the game. Now, my brain is just short circuiting left and right. Now that I've been in group chats with them and all I'm hearing is like my new friends, just like coming into my ear left and right. (laughs) I was playing with Ben Prendergast. Uh, and so hearing him playing as Fuse while also talking on comms is just like breaking my brain and melting me while we're playing. <laughs> um, that's an experience I've never had before. Um, to to And I think it's because so many of the characters are so close to sort of our authentic mm-hmm. selves, if you can call it that, um, with very few exceptions, 
you know, like Justine puts on uh, uh, an accent for Watson and obviously, uh, you know, uh, Anjali Bamani sounds quite different from Rampart. Um, <laughs> but there are a number of us that sound very, very close to our legends. And mm -hmm. so being on a team with, uh, with, with Valkyrie, having just had coffee with Eric Ishii is just, it's, it, it sabotages your brain. Like things just are just short circuiting left and right because you feel like you want to turn around like someone's in your room talking to you when it's in fact, it's coming out of the game. It's it's so hard to describe that experience. I hope I did that justice. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I I cannot I cannot I cannot that for that. But uh, uh, if here's a very interesting. I don't know if you do remember the all the lines or few of the lines of your character, but if you do, uh, mm. uh, which one is your favorite? I don't want to spoil the ones you haven't heard yet, <clears throat> but um, I think the one that stuck out to me the most was probably the one that I announced with. Um, oh. Fun fact, here's a little teaser. It's actually one of the champion lines from the game. Uh, sub out the word legend for which uh, you can equip a champion line where it says, where I say, um, I am the grim trans witch your parents warned you about. <laughs> um, and I loved that one. When I first got into the session, um, I like I have any input, but I, you know, throwing out all my bad ideas. I, I said, there are a couple of things that are important to me. And, you know, obviously I'm not the writer, I'm not the director. So feel free to take these and like toss them in the garbage. Um, but to me, it's very important that this character is very upfront about the fact that they're trans. It needs to be said. Mm. Um, and that's going to be a little, um, that, that's going to be hit or miss with people. And I don't necessarily mean in a controversial way, but in, in a way that not everyone needs that upfront and center. They're going to be bad faith people who say like, ah, you know, I can't believe this character's entire personality is trans, which is so far from the truth. Mm -hmm. um, and then there are going to be people within the queer umbrella who, who say, you know, I don't necessarily need it to be spoon fed to me like that. But we're always walking this tightrope where we get so little representation for the trans community. And that's only one of many marginalized communities that get like three seconds in the spotlight. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and we have these singular tiny little basket of characters we hold up and, and we really wish we could be seeing characters that look and sound like us all over the place because I think it's kind of cool when then the media we watch and consume and the games we play kind of look and sound like the actual world we live in. Um, and so we have so few examples of good positive trans representation that we're walking this tightrope between wanting to normalize it so that it's not a big deal. You know, people can stop thinking about, you know, people who don't know anything about the trans community, for instance, can mm. stop thinking about trans people through the lens of, oh, I think I heard them say something about sports on Fox last week and start thinking of us as like, I should have asked earlier, can we curse on this? Channel? Oh, sure, sure. Go, go for it. Regular ass people who are just trying to make rent and like get to work on time and like play video games on the weekend to decompress. We want to get to a point where people realize that we're just people too. Yeah. <laughs> Revolutionary. <laughs> um, and, and so, mo you know, those are the moments where you want to have a story that doesn't lean so hard on that spotlight. And I think the balance we struck is we didn't want to tell, she says as not the writer, but we didn't want to tell uh, another transitioning story. Like it's very, it's very, it's so common that, you know, you have a, a, 
the tropes are like, you have a POC character. It's got to be a story about people being racist to them. Or, you know, if you, if you have a queer story, it has to be a coming out story and about how they negotiate their family relationship. Mm. And it's like the only story we ever know. Yeah. So we wanted to not tell that story. So we started Catalyst in a place where she had already transitioned. Um, but then we still wanted to be front and center about the identity and have it be something that she's proud of. So the first thing took me 20 minutes to get there <laughs> that, uh, that I said it was really important is that we were front and center about the fact that it's a trans character. People are always going to debate. There are bad faith jerks on the internet, mm. but we wanted it to be, we wanted as little room for doubt as possible. And then the second thing that I said I wanted, and it's totally shallow of me <laughs> is I said, I really want her to be super hot. You guys. <laughs> And here's why, because you, when you characters like this come and go and no, you know, no, no disrespect with peace and love to Nicole Maines and to Rainbow Six Siege, you know, where they introduced another trans character and very promptly, like everyone moves on in life and forgets mm -hmm. because it doesn't really get much more than that singular announcement moment. And so I'm thinking, you know, how can we keep this positive representation of a playable first person trans character in a triple A video game, holy shit, in the spotlight as long as possible. And I think the way that we do that is make them a visually compelling character, make their story compelling yeah. so that you get people creating art left and right of the character. And there's been so much fan art so quickly. It's been incredible. <laughs> and, you know, uh, uh, throwing her into little like machinima videos and like, you know, like your Gary's mod kind of silliness and <laughs> hopefully not too much porn. <laughs> um, but, but also visually, like just look at, at the way the community plays with characters like Loba. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those like necessary evils where it's like, we want to walk that line. So if she's visually compelling, people will keep playing the character even after like the kit isn't meta. <laughs> You'll still have people that are like, I think she's a badass looking character who has awesome skins or I think she's super hot and that's all I need out of my video games. And so I'm <laughs> going to keep playing this character regardless of whether it's in like the top three picks or whatever. Um, <laughs> so you can, you see my master plan. I, there's a lot of strategy that went into this. Perfect <laughs> plan. This is the best plan I've ever heard. <laughs> I try to be upfront. I realize there's a very shallow approach approach to, to to taking the character design um because at the end of the day it shouldn't need to be that but like i mean i like hot characters too <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody loves hotness that's for sure <laughs> no hey. it's just a little bit of escapism you know yeah yeah that's true i mean you are you are the always it's cool that they got to take your input because uh Again, it's it's you are playing the character. I think your input matters a lot anyway. And I, as I said, like, uh, and, and even in Apex Legends, like the Loba character, especially a lot of people just wanted to play her because she looks great. So it's just one of those things. It's just, just going to happen. And Loba is an awesome character, too, because that was a character designed, you know, almost exclusively by a team of women designing a character that they find compelling and attractive. And, I, and to, you know, to quote Frida Wolf from, uh, I want to say it was her interview with Chris Edgerly, like, Shock! Surprise! This character that was designed to be attractive to women is also attractive to men. <laughs> you know, it was just a win all around for everybody. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, just to cover my bases, it's, I can only ever really speak for myself, you know, and I'm probably one of the, I like to call myself like one of the more irreverent uh, uh, trans people that you'll meet. You know, I'm usually the one in the room, like telling the worst jokes and making fun of myself. And like people have different levels of sensitivity. I tend to be very, 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 uh, you know, kind of sardonic and eye rolly and, and 
that's just part of my personality. I think that feeds into the to the Catalyst character as well, because Catalyst 2 has this very sort of eye-rolly, sort of dark sense of humor. Um, but, you know, people have different sensitivities. That's what I find compelling about the character, and that's the kind of stuff that's interesting to me. You know, I hope she resonates with as many people as possible. I know it's you're never going to win everybody, and it's so common when it comes to sorely needed representation um, that – you know, if just one or two things can be slightly askew, just a little too much, the community will sort of disown it and be like, ah, it was a waste. They they messed it up. You know, it's all a wash. I guess we have to wait for the next one. And and so we've gotten some really good indicators early on. Um, I hope that it we just continue to see positivity come Tuesday. But but you know, we're all crossing our fingers and hoping that this is a character that resonates with as many people as possible, you know, and feels like a like a three-dimensional, nuanced, multi-layered character that also happens to be trans. I mean, I, I think I think people will really enjoy her. There's always, every time, there's going to be people who are hating on, on certain characters, but there will always be people who love those certain characters. I think one of the most uh, craziest things that happened uh, in terms of a character in a video game was when Last of Us Part Two came out and when those character who was uh, representing uh, and she got so much hate because of various reasons. But at the same time, there's a great group of people, a lot of people who really love that character. And I'm pretty much sure that that uh, even your character, even right now, I think when the trailer came out, when the, the story, her story came out, I really enjoyed it so much. I was like, oh, this is very cool. Uh, this is very interesting. I'm really liking this. Uh, so I feel like I am already connected to her in some ways, and I am sure that a lot of people would be. So I, I was sobbing when I watched that trailer for the first time. And also, I got to work with not one, but two incredible Anjali's in that video. Um, <laughs> yes. I just keep adjusting my microphone because it keeps wanting to slide on me. Um, the uh, the actor that plays Margot, Anjali Kunipanini, is one of my closest friends in the world. Um, and I adore them to death. And I just screamed when I found out that they were playing Margot as well, because it's just it's just incredible kismet to to have one of your closest friends in real life playing one of your closest friends <laughs> in the world with your character. That was just that that was so touching and and powerful. And and you know, we we sort of private message each other and like break all the rules. And so when they originally got the audition, they're like, hey, I Shh, don't tell anyone, but I think I'm working on Apex as well. And it's, uh, I don't know, like it, maybe it's too late to be anything to do with you, but it's kind of cool that we're in the same game, right? It's this character. And it was like the code name from my audition sides, because everything's code names. Yeah. You know, the code name for my best friend in the audition sides. And I'm like, you're playing that character? <laughs> oh my gosh, Anjali! <laughs> um, yeah, what was the question? That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's no question. I was just making making um, a step. But actually, to well, be honest, so actually, I'll let you go in a second. But um, I think my point was in in all of that was uh, th that fun fact aside, it I've seen all of those moments happen on the internet, and that was one of the reasons that I was staying up, you know, unable to get to sleep the night before because if you're not if you haven't experienced this firsthand, just to give you a little bit of our headspace. There are a lot of things that that I'm afraid of. I can't turn the television on without hearing people have an opinion about my like right to exist. Yeah. <laughs> and we're vilified so often and used as like this political 
football where like even when there's a non-issue out there like people will make it an issue because maybe it'll help them win an election and it, it makes it you have a very uh stressful relationship with the media um and so a couple of months ago a bunch of characters got leaked and so i'm clocking the fact that the one that was named catalyst is like the hottest character there and so I start thinking about like, okay, so this is going to be one of the ones they have, people have the most anticipation for. And I also knew that it was going to be a bit of an older character. You know, the character that, that originally leaked, there was sort of like a placeholder arc that mm. looked like a, a young woman. And this is a, a character that's, you know, in her thirties or 29 or something. And, um, and so I'm doing that calculus of, you know, if people are really anticipating this new hot character and then she turns out to be older is that going to piss people off? Am I going to get that? Or is that just going to attract a different demographic? Mm -hmm. If there's this new hot character in the pipeline, and then it turns out to be a trans character, you know, is that going to be something that people celebrate? I hope. Is that going to be something that people, you know, lash out over? And again, just that, like, is that going to come at me or at the company? Hopefully it doesn't come, period. Uh, no pun intended. Um, but, you know, all those considerations happen. And and I was so relieved when I started to see all the positive energy kind of hitting Twitter because it, I, I am not kidding when I said I was like nauseous all night the night before it launched. I, I can't. I, can, I mean, I don't blame you for being that, you know, I mean, nervous and excited at the same time. It's, it's It must be an unreal feeling. But I will say when, when I saw the, the, the trailer, the stories, even uh, you and Anjali Bimani just hit it off. Just like mm. that. I was like, oh. I feel like they are really friends because I didn't know you guys are friends. I was like, these guys must be <laughs> because of the conversations, the way you guys were talking. I was like, this is, I have not, in Apex Legends at least, I have not, in all the stories that they've shown, I've not really seen that kind of connection. I felt that connection there. So I was like, oh my God, this is going to be exciting. I hope. With Margo, you mean? Yeah, with Margo. I, I, I think, I think. Well, so that with Margo was Anjali Kunapanani. Um, and, uh, and then obviously we start and end the scene with Anjali Bamani, mm -hmm. um, who I did not know at the time, but we've now since become friends. And actually I should, I should give her a shout out because when they introduced me to the rest of the cast, you know, everyone gave me a really big warm welcome. They were sending video uh, welcomes and, and wishing me well and telling me how much they loved the trailer. Um, but then uh, Anjali Bamani uh, immediately uh, sent me her phone number and I sent mine back and she was texting me every couple of days, checking in, making sure I'm okay. She sort of comes right off the bat. She's like, I am positioning myself as auntie <laughs> and, <laughs> and I am here if you need me. She's offering advice. She's been checking in to make sure I'm doing okay, letting me know what to expect. Um, she's out in, in New York right now filming something, but as soon as she gets back, she's going to, um, she's going to, uh, take me to a, a cafe that she loves and we're going to catch up and meet up in person. So oh, like wow. I said, I got to work with two, two wonderful uh, uh, Anjali's on that project. <laughs> and and uh, Anjali Kanapanani and I haven't known each other that long, maybe about a year or two, but in such a short time, we've grown so close um, and, and, and truly is one of my, my closest friends in the world. So it's, yeah, just wonderful to be surrounded by such both incredible talent, but also incredibly kind people and, and and big generous giving hearts uh, <laughs> um it was a good cast that video oh yeah right. and we had um we had um oh my goodness i i hope that i i pronounce her name correctly but um zara fazal 
Um, so. yeah, you, you Sarah, who plays the uh, who does the announcer yeah, yeah. Uh, in the game, was also playing one of the one of our coven. And I don't know who the fourth actor was. And they still haven't told me if you're playing our fourth friend, please message me. <laughs> I would love to say hi to you and get to know you. <laughs> I'm sure you will. Uh, but yeah, I mean, apart apart from apart from being in Apex Legends, I know you've been in, in other video games that I know you've been in anime. Uh, you are, you've been in so many animes and it's just, for me, voice acting is just like, it's, it's such a incredible, uh, art form, it's just an incredible work. But when it comes to, you know, voicing particular characters, how do you even, how do you even think about coming up with a voice for a character when it, when it's been given to you? Mm. Um, I've never been somebody who, who relishes in trying to be the chameleon voice or to to try and create character voices that where you'd never know it was me. I, I have a lot of friends who really enjoy that process of coming up with fun, wild and wacky character voices. Um, and I've played some characters that are huge departures from myself, but I think I always get that from the text, the visuals, the the circumstances. Um, I never lead with wanting to create a voice. I lead with wanting to, to you know, explore the circumstances and and you know and approach that character with a level of of authenticity and honesty and just you know make believe as as realistically as I possibly can. Um, so it it's very. I don't have a great line to show you in my process from like how you get from my normal voice to to like Maji Kayo in Dragon Ball Super who has this like low sort of grasp kind of thing that he does right he's down here yeah and i don't know how i get there it just kind of happens as you as you play with the visuals and you look at what's happening on screen um it, I, I think i've had a lot of experiences where i've had directors as me coming in with someone who has a lower you know voice who sort of walks this line between like female archetypes and male archetypes. Mm. Um, had a lot of directors tell me that they don't really know what to do with me. I, when I was getting started, I was, it was very common that I would hear, you know, we really like your performance. Uh, you do really great work, hopefully positive things. Right. But then there would always be that addendum at the end of like, it's really hard to find something that's a good fit for you. Um, and me coming from a theater background and, and and doing nothing but studying acting my whole life, I will then throw me at something, you know, just like throw anything you can at me. It doesn't need to be a leading role or it doesn't need to be like a major prominent visible, you know, risk casting me. Um, but grab bid parts, little things here and there and try things and see what sticks because that's how you'll discover what any actor is good at is by giving them a chance to play. And um you know, more than a few directors found that it was easier to sort of just shelve me and not really do anything with me. Um, and there were a few exceptions to that. The Ocratron 5000 studio, which is owned by Christopher Sabat uh, out in Texas. That's where I did Dragon Ball Super. That's also where I recorded for Smite, uh, the video game. Yeah. Um, has always been very adventurous and willing to cast me in different roles. So, um you know, I played Catella in Dragon Ball Super as well as Majikayo, and I've done mostly male characters in the Smite world, even though anime has been largely female characters. Yeah. Um, 
but you know, you don't find that out if you don't have a chance to play. And there's only so much you can do on your own. I think some better, some actors are better at just getting in the booth and practicing than others. For me, my practice often comes in auditions. Uh, I tend to spend longer on auditions than I probably should. But, you know, if you're between jobs, it gives you a chance to play and workshop and try different things. And it's it's your way of, you know, sharpening your tools, even if, you know, it, it, it's not, you know, earning money per se, right? You know, we we audition for like a thousand things for every one thing we get. Um, and And for me, at least, I have a hard time getting in the booth just kind of like out of nowhere with nothing on my plate, nothing on my desk and just playing. When I get an audition, I can I can really tear into that and try different things and try different characters. I, I'm kind of getting away from your question. I guess I would say it it more often than not lately, I tend to try to lead with my natural voice. And that might be a defense mechanism because I've been told so often that mm. In the past, I should say it's not. I, it's not recent, but in the past, I've been told that it's something that that doesn't fit in easily. I tend to start by leading with that voice to see if it works. It's incredibly euphoric, cathartic for me when that's a voice that lands. So the fact that Catalyst sounds so close to my natural voice is incredibly fulfilling for me. Um, and then we take it from there. You know, if I get in and it's a big sludge monster, obviously the sludge monster isn't going to sound like this. Uh, and we'll take it from there. You add things like. Uh, you add things like texture, uh, you know, how how smooth the voice is versus like how throaty or like strained or scratchy the voice is. You can add crunch on top of that or you can pitch it up or, you know, higher or lower. You know, like that's all the, all the tools that we start to pull out of our our toolbox. And hopefully we have the time with the director to workshop a little bit and find something that everyone's satisfied with. Mileage can vary there. Sometimes the yeah. director just wants the first thing out of your mouth. The better experiences, I think, are when you can kind of workshop and play and find something that makes everyone makes everyone happy before you dive into the work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I always always was wondering, like, when when it comes to like monstrous voices or like, uh, I don't know, like very grungy voices, is it not like when you're trying to do those, your your throat just dies <laughs> when you're trying to do those kind of voices with the grunginess and intensity a lot of voice actors get really really good at learning how to take care of their voice um and and that comes from knowing where to place it um and supporting your voice uh these are principles that probably require more explanation than we have here um but there are ways that you can position what muscles or 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 focus what muscles are really doing most of the heavy lifting uh when you're delivering a voice and there are absolutely unhealthy ways to scream or to to shout to deliver those kinds of lines um, where you will do damage faster. Excuse me. Um, oftentimes that happens in the form of your vocal cords starting to get a little swollen and, and your vocal cords are supposed to move in sync and, and work very uniformly. And as they get swollen, there can start to be damage as they sort of almost like start to damage themselves as they're sort of moving out of sync and breaking down. And the only way that you can fix that is to rest, not speak. Things can soothe the pain like tea, um, but the only way to truly recover is to not use your voice. Um, and so there are ways to very quickly damage your voice. Um, most of us have had enough training that we know how to uh, use our voices in ways that are going to minimize that impact so that we can go for long sessions. Um, oftentimes, you might hear actors say that if you can't do a character voice for at least two hours, preferably four hours, it's really not something you should be doing. Or you should try to find something 
some way of doing it so that you can get there. Maybe that means there's a little bit of a compromise. You know, maybe you have a character that you find and you're like, oh, it'd be really cool if he sounded like this. Oh, but I feel that really, really quickly. So maybe if I like play with the idea of that texture, but bring it down into my chest so that you're getting more of that resonance down there. You know, maybe I can have that little whisper, but if I'm doing most of it, most of the heavy lifting from my core, I can go, you know, I can carry that voice longer. I'm going to get through the four hours. And then there's just like the strategy stuff, like, please book me on a Friday so I don't have to be doing this, you know, and then have another session the next day. The worst thing in the world is if you can F up your voice on like a Tuesday and you have a Wednesday and a Thursday session. I'm always a hardcore proponent if I know it's going to be an intense session, Friday, 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 (laughs) Friday, and then I am just resting all weekend. (laughs) That's a good And that's video games, a lot of video games, but also absolutely Dragon Ball Super. In the anime world, I've gone out on so many characters, I've died screaming. And (laughs) and I just, you know, God bless the directors that know those sessions are going to be hard and warn you and schedule it in a smart way that protects everybody. (laughs) That's great. That's great. I always had that thought like, how death happens after that, I think. Uh, But... uh, and you know what's wild about Apex is it's such a rela- it's such mm. a low impact gig. So much of it is soft on comms. Everything you know, the loudest you ever get is like this. Yeah, you know, grenade bear. It's you're on comms, you're raising your voice, but it's almost like you're raising your voice with a mindfulness to the fact that you're still on radio. Mm-hmm. A lot of video games are full volume. You're just screaming at the top of your lungs for four hours. <laughs> yeah. And then if you if you step back and you think realistically, you're like. Do they not have radios? Are they like a mile away? Why do we have to? I know gunfire is loud, but why do we have to scream that much for that <laughs> much possession? Yeah, that, that's that's true. Actually, I I'm I'm gonna wonder now. Like, why? That's that's interesting. Uh, but one thing, uh, it's is one of the things that I I have also always have this issue. Whenever there's something new that I'm trying to get to, I'll get that insane amount of nervousness. Do you have that? that nervousness when you get either you're getting into audition or when you're going to the first day or maybe it's multiple days have that nervousness is it very extreme to handle or you're like oh it's a good nervousness it's it's good to be there it depends i i think i get more nervous in classes than i do in gigs i don't know why i've always it's like a pavlovian response i've always gotten incredibly nervous leading up to a workshop when i'm working in front of other actors maybe it's the fact that i'm working in front of other actors Mm -hmm. um I've lived in a lot of apartment situations with other actors as well as other non-actors. And I've always been someone who needs a certain amount of privacy and safety uh, in order to work. So, you know, I've, I've had situations where I've lived with other actors who knew what I did and we both did the same thing and it's just completely a me complex, but I would have to wait for them to leave and like go out and do groceries before I could get in the booth and do auditions because I was self-conscious. I'm in a really good situation now because I've got my own little wing of the apartment that locks. So I actually have a door to the wing of my apartment. I say wing, it's like a bedroom, a hallway and a bathroom. It's it's not that big, but um, but there's a door separating it. And then I have my own bedroom door and then I have my booth right here. And so there's just enough separation that I feel very, very safe. And there's also a lot of, of sound isolation. So my housemate can be in the next room watching television and I can have a session and nobody gets disturbed. That's great. Um, as far as sessions go, I think it, it varies. I I had a certain amount of confidence going into this session because I knew how well we hit it off during the 
be callbacks. So I, I felt like I was among friends, but there's still always for the first handful of sessions, there's still always that little voice on your, in your ear going like, you're just waiting for them to fire you. Like, (laughs) all right, it's Tuesday session. I'm going to get in. They're going to tell me there's been a mistake. They're letting me go. (laughs) (laughs) And fortunately at a certain point you sort of get over that. And, And now when I go in, it's just like, I'm going to hang out with friends and, and, you know, tell stories and make voices, uh, while we're hanging out. That's it. That's it. It's, it's, for me, it's it's very hard. Like I'm, I want to get to that place where I'm like, hey, I I got this thing to do. I'll just I'll just do it. You know, just just have fun doing it. I think I'm I'm still trying to get to that zone. So that's always a thing that I'm I'm trying to work upon. It's it's sometimes it's really hard to get through that. Um, I think at a certain point you start to, and and maybe this is confidence. Maybe this is being jaded and completely burnt out. I don't know. But eventually you get to a place where you realize that we're all just doing our own job. Yeah. You know, and we're all in this together. And 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 that's when it sort of just comes down to individual personality types because you are going to work with people who take themselves too seriously and and think they're the most important person in the room and yeah. I've had directors where I've asked questions about the character because something didn't make sense and then I've had them tell me that they feel like I don't trust them and we've had to have that conversation where where I'm like, "No, I trust you. I just need more information. I'm confused." <laughs> um and and the the realest ones you work with are the people that are just kind of, you know, we're all collaborators working together to solve a problem. Um, and I think one of the things that's helped me start to have that experience more often where I can show up and even if I know I'm going into a major storied studio with incredible writers and directors, you know, award-winning people and just realize that they're just regular people, it yeah. has been my writing for anime because I've been on the other side of that where... I'm in the production meetings and we're talking about deadlines and I'm trying to get my work done in time and we're trying to come up with revisions that satisfy the client's needs. And when you're on the other side of the glass, you start to realize, oh, okay, when I'm in the booth, I'm helping them solve a problem by telling this story and living in the character. When I'm writing, I'm just working a different angle of the same problem, trying to make sure that the lines pop and that the the characters feel and sound compelling. And if there's a moment that's a, an important moment of growth, that I do that that moment justice so that it has an impact and is meaningful to the audience. And I'm sure it's the same. I hope to direct at some point. I'm sure it's the same for directors where you're, where you're saying, you know, I'm trying to stay on schedule. And I'm also trying to make sure that I'm creating a positive experience for the actor that comes in so that they have a good experience in the booth. They don't lose confidence. They can be doing their best work and we can work efficiently if we're both confident and feel safe. Uh, and you know, it's now I'm just working that, that another angle of just trying to make sure that that we can solve this problem of telling this story in a way that is that is meaningful and impactful while also staying on time and not like wasting people's money too much. <laughs> <laughs> you 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 did mention about writing anime. Uh, you have you have done a lot of work. Do you think at ever point mm. in time that you will be writing for video games? I don't know. That could be fun. I think writing when you're starting from scratch is a little terrifying for me. I've mm. mostly written uh, adaptation for anime where you sort of, you have that foundation is already there. Uh, and I have taken some of those stories. Not everyone likes this. <laughs> I've taken some of those stories and I've turned them on their head because, <laughs> you know, in an effort to make it really connect with an English speaking audience, sometimes you have to really dissect some of those, those scenes and, 
almost re-envision them completely. Um, especially, so probably the thing I'm the most proud of that I've written uh, was I wrote the first season of um, Don't Toy With Me, Miss Nagatoro in English. Oh yeah. Um, and that was met with such a positive reception. And there were people posting short little videos on YouTube of jokes that they found really funny. And most of those jokes I invented <laughs> because the comedy doesn't always translate when you're coming from another language and yeah. especially in a comedy half the time you have to just sort of invent your own jokes or adapt them and change the punchline because it, it's never going to land if you stick to the translation. Oh yeah. You know, for a, a myriad of different reasons. And uh, I don't tell my producers this, she says on an, a live interview or an online interview, but um, I probably put in more than 40 hours a week when I, I write because I think having that foundation as an actor, I, I have all those memories of scripts that have been awful. <laughs> and I think about why that is, you know, like was, was it, was the pacing weird? Did it not, did the character not make sense? Was the, did it sound like a writer wrote it? It didn't sound like authentic dialogue or the, the punchlines didn't land or something. Any number of things that make it really challenging to deal with in the booth when you're the actor. And so attacking these as an actor, uh, Oftentimes, I, I'm probably my own worst critic because I'm going to be so hard on myself and yeah. be such a perfectionist about making sure that I'm delivering something that I hope is going to be a joy to record in the booth. Um, I've done maybe five or six. I'd have to double check. Something like five or six animes at this point. Um, I came in on Pretty Boy Detective, uh, the Pretty Boy Detective Club, I think. <laughs> uh Honor at Magic High School. I did uh, the first season of Don't Toy With Me, Miss Nagatoro. And now I've done the first two seasons of Orient. It's all been anime. Mm -hmm. um, it could be fun to work in video games at some point. I think that it scares me a little bit, but um, but games like Apex and the sense of humor that goes into it. Oh my goodness. The work that they do in the Borderlands universe oh, yeah. is incredible. Oh, yes. Um, it seems like a lot of fun. I feel like it would be a steep hill to climb, but I would be open to give it a shot at some point. I am always an actor first, but I think from the perspective of the acting doesn't always pay all of your bills and you need to still make ends meet somehow, I would always rather be working creatively. Um, I've had retail jobs. I've worked in tech. I've fixed computers for a living. Um, it's much more fulfilling to me to be able to work in that space. And and so if I'm not always acting, I want to be writing or directing or doing something creative because yeah. it's what I'm going to be the best at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's right. I mean, it's it's better to do something that you actually like. It's actually enjoy, which which I actually have been I've been doing for the past uh, three, four years. So like I'm, hmm. it's, it's fun. It's then only you can like face the challenges and actually you know, ready to, to, to do the next project or to give yourself a project and do it. It's, it's, I think that's, that's makes it much more fun to live a life like that. Uh, yeah. Uh, and you care about it. You know, it's yeah. not just about clocking in and getting the work done. It's about loving the work you do. And if you love what you do, you don't think about how many hours you're doing that week. And you have to remember to think about the rate because sometimes you can fall into that trap of like, just being happy to be here and I'll do it for free. But, yeah. um, but you know, you, it doesn't feel like work, you know, you're, you're just doing something that you enjoy and you're willing to put in that extra time because you care about it. Yeah. Um, and if you can do that, do work that you love, not worry about how much time you're putting in, worry about getting it right. And if you can do that while also not letting someone in a higher position, take advantage of that passion, you're going to be in a really good place. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. You're right. Well, now, uh, one final question. And this is, I know this is, uh, 
I don't know if you she'd like to really answer this. I know this is very unfair in some ways, but uh, okay. <laughs> if you if you had if you had only one thing to select between acting in anime or video games, uh, which one would you go for? Oh, video games in a heartbeat. Um, I I adore this medium. I I, I just gave gave you my gut answer, and now I'm going to backpedal a little bit. Um, <laughs> anime has always struggled to figure out what to do with me, and as a creative, as someone who's studied both acting as well as, as directing and design. And, and I've, I've, I've studied a lot of aspects of, of theater and storytelling. I don't buy into, I'm going to get a little political for you. Um, ish. <laughs> I don't buy into the excuses I've been given in the past when it comes to why I'm a tough fit in that world. And I would say the same thing for other queer talent. I would say the same thing for our POC talent that are struggling to get heard in that world. I think that anime is very focused on living within the confines of these very narrow archetypes of what characters have to sound like. If a character has glasses, they have to sound like exactly like this. You know, the evil character must sound like this and must be like an octave lower than everything else. You know, everyone else. The... The, the girls have to sound like high-pitched teeny boppers half the time, you know? <laughs> and true. and there's like a two and three chance that if you have a tough, badass warrior woman, that like she's going to have an eye patch, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and what that turns into is there are a lot of phenomenal actors out there who do not get the looks they deserve because we're too busy being, feeling bound by these rigid interpretations of what a character can sound like. And the proof that it's BS is when you find characters that are those gender non-conforming voices or androgynous voices mm. or lower voiced women or not necessarily higher voiced men because there is a place for like the young Deku sort of like, you know, Azuka Midoriya, like higher voice yeah. protagonist, but more feminine sounding or softer uh, 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 men as well. I've noticed a lot of directors will have this sort of double standard where if it's a character that's one of those expected archetypes, it has to be just so. We have to honor the original performance. It has to sound exactly like we expect it to. But then when we have one of the outliers, those moments where if you are if you are one of those outlier voices, you're sitting here like, yes, this one has to be me. Yeah. Suddenly it'll go to someone that is kind of, a more normative voice and it will be oftentimes fine, but it, but it'll be so clear that, that like a compromise was made and that whatever that rigid rule book is, was tossed out the window mm. because it was a harder role to cast. And there's some great anime out there. I, I, you wouldn't, you wouldn't care this much if you didn't love it. You know, yeah. if I didn't care about anime at all, I'd move on and, and not give a crap. Yeah. But the fact that there are so many good shows out there that have spoken to me, attack on Titan is incredibly important to me. <laughs> You know, I, it's one of, it's a show that pulled me back into acting and it, it had been years since I've seen, uh, I've seen an anime. It's, it'd been years that, since I'd watched anime, honestly. And, <laughs> and so to see the level of production that went into that and how nuanced the performances were, um, and, and, and how much love and care was put into the telling of that story really opened my eyes to how much more, uh, these shows could be. So I, I guess if I were to sum that, summarize that, like the TLDR is like, <laughs> I love anime. I wish anime loved me too. Um, and to that end, video games has been night and day different. Um, 
maybe it's because the archetypes play closer to what's normal for me, my voice, especially when it comes to things like soldiers, like obviously a lot of soldier women tend to have huskier voices. Yeah. Um, but video game sessions have been working in video games has been the first time that I've shown up and, and I've had studios love what I do, want more of it and pass my name around to other studios. So, so I don't know, on a personal level, it, it is a lot more fulfilling to work with people that, that love what you're selling and want more of it. <laughs> um, and the sessions are easier. There's less self-doubt involved. You're not going in there trying to be something you're not because you're trying to live up to this idea of what this archetype has to sound like. You know, they're coming, they're bringing you in and saying, we want you to be you. That's why we brought you here. And, uh, and you know, just play with your instincts. Live in the moment and whatever comes out of your mouth is usually going to be what they're looking for. Oh, it's great. <laughs> I would, I will live in video games. And to that end, to that end, I want to be in Destiny. I want to be in... The Last of Us Three. I want to be in a God of War game. I want to be in uh, the next Horizon game. If there's another Ooh, game, yeah. I want to be in every single game you play. Internet. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to have you in every single game. I'm. You name those games. I'm like, all oh, just just bring it. Just just hardcore <laughs> manifesting right now. <laughs> <laughs> just just do it, guys. Just 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 bring her in and let her be play some amazing characters. Um, but I would say. Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much for, for talking to me about all this. I know this is, I asked a lot of questions um, and I, I, I hope that, I hope that uh, it, it, it was, it was good for you to answer all these questions, all these things. Uh, uh, it's, it's incredible. Again, I am super stoked for Catalyst. I'm super stoked for Apex Legends. I'm super stoked for the future uh, of Apex Legends. Not only that, for, for you as voice actor, hopefully you, you get a chance to play some even more incredible characters. I cannot wait. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a joy. I, I know I can go forever if you let me. So I, <laughs> I, I appreciate you putting up with my long, long, long-winded answers today. Um, but this has been a lot of fun. And I would love, I would be happy to do this again. This was great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to the stories that this particular voice actor had to share. It's so incredible again listening to their stories and talking to these voice actors in the first place who worked on these amazing video games. So if you love this conversation, definitely subscribe to this podcast and definitely you know give us a review, like, follow, whatever you can do to support this podcast would be really, really appreciative. And if you want to check out the full video version of this podcast, you can actually subscribe to my channel, Given Madness, and watch these podcasts in a video format and so much more. I gotta talk. <laughs>